0: have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by PastorStudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study.
1: Welcome to the pastor's study. What we talk about in this half hour is the five blessings of Holy Communion. Do you know what happens when you take Holy Communion? You know, now and then you'll see somebody taking communion and you ask them a question, what exactly is going on when you eat that bread and drink that wine? And sometimes you get the answer, I don't know, you're just supposed to do it. No, you need to know what's happening when you partake of Holy Communion. We're gonna find out five wonderful things happen when you take communion. Let's see what they are. Before we look at this paragraph of the Bible though, let me set it up first. It's about 55 AD. There's a church in Corinth, which ancient Greek, the the ancient Greek city of Corinth was Sin City, like Las Vegas back in the uh, first century. The Christians at the church of Corinth were doing something so horrible. God was killing some of the Christians, and their sin had to do with Holy Communion. So let's see what's going on here. Would you take out your Bible, turn in the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Paul writes this letter to correct them about what they're doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and before we begin, let's pray. Father, we want to pray this show that anyone who does not know what they're doing when they take Holy Communion would now have their eyes open through the Holy Scriptures. Lord, may we treasure Holy Communion, and Lord, show us the full blessings we receive every time we take Communion. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes this to the erring Corinthian church. Verse 17, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. In other words, things had sunk so low in the Corinthian church, it would have been better had they closed the doors. Now, what were they doing? What was their sin? Well, part of their problem was that they were fighting. Look at verse 18. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and I in part believe it. So part of their problem was they were fighting, but their biggest problem was down at verse 20. Therefore when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. In other words, they were coming to get together for holy communion, but the poor people they weren't letting them have food for supper before the Lord's supper, and other people were getting drunk on communion, and Paul's saying that's not holy communion. Verse twenty-three. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And Paul's reminding them, let's remember why we call this Holy Communion. Remember that holy night, the night before Jesus died, when he took his 12 disciples upstairs in the house and he gave them the Lord's Supper, eat this bread, it's my body, drink this cup. Remember that holy night, to take that holy supper and get drunk on it is to invite the wrath of God. That's why we're going to find out some of these people were dying. Now let's see what are the five blessings you get when you take communion. Look at verse 24. And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and said to them, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There are five blessings you get from holy communion did you just catch the first one this is my body the first blessing of holy communion is what's called the real presence this is my body somehow in with and under the bread and wine you get the real presence of jesus christ let me repeat that yes it's bread and wine but jesus said this is my body this is my blood somehow in with and under the bread and wine you get the very presence of jesus christ I think the closest you get to God on earth is taking Holy Communion. Um, I, I can tell you that when I was a vicar, that's like a student preacher many years ago at a Christian university, we had communion every Sunday morning, but then we also had communion every Wednesday night. I took communion twice a week for a whole year. And I want to tell you, looking back on it, that was about the holiest year of my life. And, and why was I so holy that year? I think it had to do with Holy Communion. I, I, I know a Christian counselor who talked about a certain person that was in bondage to sin. Then this person started taking Holy Communion on a regular basis, changed his life. The bondage was broken. So the first thing that happens when you take Holy Communion, you get the real healing, saving presence of Jesus Christ. Second blessing of Holy Communion is verse twenty-five. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you." This, uh, excuse me. And in the same way, he took the cup, uh, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood." So first, you get what's called the real presence of Christ. The second blessing of Holy Communion is we partake in the new covenant the new agreement between God and man. And what exactly is the covenant? Well, you need to read the parallel passage in Matthew to get that, where Jesus said this blood is shed, the blood of the covenant, for the forgiveness of sins. The new agreement, the new covenant between God and man that God sets up at the Lord's Supper is, you come to Jesus, I forgive your sins. That's the covenant. That's the agreement. The main thing of Holy Communion is the forgiveness of sins. There was a man who went to church one Sunday and he wasn't going to take communion because of a sin he had committed that week, but then he did go up for for communion and he said to the pastor afterwards, I wasn't going to take communion this morning, but when I was washing my hands getting ready for church, it was like a voice said, if this soap can cleanse your hands, can't the blood of my son cleanse what you did this week? When you come to Holy Communion, you get the real presence of Christ, but the second thing you get, and this is huge, you get the new covenant, the agreement that when you come to Christ, God indeed forgives you and washes you of your sins. The third blessing of Holy Communion, verse 25, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. That means his sacrificial death, his blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Blessing number one is you get the real presence of Christ. Blessing number two, your sins are forgiven. Third blessing of Holy Communion, we remember. We remember what He did. When I was seven years old, the little girl that lived behind me, her name was Judy. And Judy and I have been friends all these years. I don't talk to her much anymore, but on a rare occasion I'll give her a phone call. She lives in Seattle. But Judy and I were good friends most of our lives. Well, I went to visit her in Seattle some time ago, and she took a box out. And out of her box, she took a diary of when she was about 10, and she read the page. Today, Tommy and I went up to the schoolyard, and we played on the swing set. And then Karen came up, and she read this page of stuff we did. It, 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 It was the sweetest half an hour I've spent in a long time. But you know what you're doing when you're taking communion? You are remembering the sweetness of Jesus Christ that he loved you so much that he went to the cross to pay for your sins. There was a father who was cleaning out his house. They were downsizing. And here's a drawer full of stuff that he's starting to throw away. And Here's a chipped cup, drinking cup, that he's about to throw away. But then he looked at the cup and remembered, that's the little cup my little girls learned to drink orange juice out of. And he remembered his daughters, as little girls, and now they're grown, drinking. Or- and he said, I'm not going to throw that away. I'm going to put it a- at a place in prominence in my new home. And you know, you know what you're doing when you're drinking the cup of Holy Communion? You're remembering the love Jesus had for you. And I love this story. This is a legend. It's not true. But you remember in the New Testament, little Zacchaeus who climbed up in the tree to see Jesus and then Jesus saved him. There's a story. When Zacchaeus was an old man, he'd take a walk at night and then always come back to the house so peaceful. And his wife was wondering, what is my husband doing? So one night she followed him and he went all the way across town to the other side of Jericho. He went up to this big sycamore tree and he threw his arms around the tree, and he hugged the tree. Later that night, Zacchaeus, I followed you tonight. What were you doing? Why did you go hug the tree? And Zacchaeus said, Wife, that's where he found me, and I resolved that till the end of my life, as long as I can walk, I'm going to go back to that tree and remember the place he saved me. When you take Holy Communion, do you know what you're doing? You're putting your arms around the tree of the cross and you're remembering what Jesus Christ did to save you. When you take Communion, you're getting the real presence of Christ. When you take Communion, you are uh, um, receiving the new covenant, the forgiveness of sins. When you take Holy Communion, you are experiencing uh, a remembrance of what He did for you. The next thing that happens when you take communion is in the next verse, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim or you preach the Lord's death until he comes. You know, the the fourth thing that happens when you take communion, you're preaching a sermon. You're saying to the person on your left and on your right and to the whole church, I am proclaiming the Lord's death. I'm preaching the Lord's death. In other words, I preach that the only thing that can save this sinner is Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for me. That's what you're preaching. I know that's offensive to people. Buddhists, Hindus, atheists, uh, Jews, they don't want to hear that they need Jesus to be saved. But sorry, the truth offends people. According to Jesus, there's one way to be saved its through his death on the cross for our sins. And you're proclaiming that when you take communion. You're proclaiming the real presence, You're proclaiming that you're a sinner and that you receive the forgiveness of sins through Christ. You're remembering what he did on the cross. You're preaching a sermon. And the last thing that happens in communion is verse 26. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's there's a future aspect to Holy Communion. The last thing that happens, you get a foretaste. This is really pointed out. And again, the parallel passage in Matthew 26, Jesus says to the disciples, I tell you, I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine till that day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. There's something coming called the marriage feast of the lamb, when all Christians throughout the history of the world will come around the huge banquet table of God. And then again, Jesus gives us the bread, we drink the wine and... Holy Communion will have its ultimate fulfillment when we're in heaven. That's going to be quite a day. I mean, you know the most moving scene I've ever seen in a motion picture? And this is a secular picture. There's a movie, you can rent the video, called Places in the Heart. Sally Field is this farm widow. And partway through the movie, her black hired hand gets killed by, I think, the Ku Klux Klan. And then later in the movie, a a white guy who I think also was one of her... One of her helpers is killed. At the end of the movie, Sally Field goes to church. And they're sitting in church, passing Holy Communion through the aisles. And here's this black man who got killed at the beginning of the movie. And you're thinking, what's he doing there? And then, then here's the white guy that got killed near the end. And then the camera pulls back, and you realize you're in heaven. <laughs> I mean, I got tears in my eyes on that one. Can you jesus said i won't drink this wine with you until i drink it new in the king one day when we're sitting around that huge table where everybody is praising the lord jesus christ for what he did on the cross it's going to be a reunion unlike any other You know, i, I thought of one more thing i'm kind of nostalgic and i grew up in a certain neighborhood till i was seven years old in omaha so uh, some years ago just for nostalgia's sake i drove through that neighborhood and I looked at my old house, and across the street was the Lance's house. And I used to have fun with the little Lance kids. That was 40 years ago, 50 years ago. So I'm driving by the Lance house. And here's a, uh, a woman, maybe in her 40s, mowing the lawn. And I just rolled down my window. And she had stopped, and I, I said, you know, Forty-five years ago, I used to live across the street. My name's Tom Brock, and this girl says, this is a woman, Tommy! <laughs> she came over and gave me a hug. It was little Carol Lance, now in her 40s. She takes me into her house. Her mom still lives in that house. And Carol and I talked at the, at the table. Mom comes in a half an hour later carrying groceries and looks at this strange man in her house, and Carol says, Mom, guess who this is? And mom just stares at me and she doesn't know who I am. And Carol says, it's Tommy Brock. (laughs) Gladys almost dropped the groceries. Tommy gives me this huge bear hug. I left that house feeling so warm. and, and, And you know what's going to happen on the last day? The Christians you have forgotten about or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will see around the banquet table of God, All believers in God throughout the history of time will be around that big table when Jesus once again, and it is fulfilled in heaven, gives us the bread and the wine. Here is what happens when you take Holy Communion. You get the real presence of Christ. Number two, you get a... Um, the forgiveness of your sins. Number three, you remember what he did for you on the cross. Number four, you preach a sermon that his death is the only thing that can save you. And number five, you get a great foretaste of the feast to come. That is why we all take Holy Communion. Now quickly, the last part of this sermon is, how should I prepare for communion? And let me just show you what Paul finally tells them in verse 26. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So, you know, uh, some people think that means you have to be worthy to take Holy Communion. It can't mean that. You can never be worthy of communion. But he is saying, don't get drunk on it like the Corinthians were doing. So how should I prepare for communion? Well, you don't get drunk on it. Uh, Verse 27 um, in an unworthy manner profanes the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, you treat Holy Communion as holy. I mean, if the President of the United States asked you for dinner, you'd think that was a big deal to go to the White House. It's nothing compared to what happens when you take Holy Communion. You're not in the the presence of the President, you're in the presence of the Lord. So treat Holy Communion as holy. Another way to prepare for communion is verse 28. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what's important before you take communion? I do this regularly. Before you take communion, you examine yourself. God, show me my sins. And then, God, I did this. You take some time to confess your sins and repent before you take communion. So you examine yourself. And then verse 29, For he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge or discern the body rightly. The next way you take communion properly is you discern the body. In other words, this is not a normal meal. I discern this is a different meal. I need to treat this with utmost care. It's it's a holy meal. And then, last way to prepare for communion, verse 30. For this reason, many among you Corinthians are weak and sick and a number sleep. That means have died. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged but when we are judged we are disciplined by the Lord so we will not be condemned along with the world. The last way to prepare for communion is know that God can judge you. If, if, if you're taking communion in an evil way and not discerning the body and, and not repenting of your sins, it's trouble. So don't take communion lightly. So let me, let me just uh, close with this. You know, Here's a woman sitting in the pew and they're passing the communion through the pews and she passes it by, she's got tears in her eyes, and she just, no, no, I'm not gonna take communion. According to the story, the pastor sees this, goes down into the pew, sits next to her, takes the little cup and presses it into her hand and says, woman, it's for sinners. It's for sinners. And and, and the point is, Holy Communion is not for perfect people. Holy Communion is for sinful people, but it is for sinful people who repent. So uh, let me just make this a point. Men, if you stumbled with pornography this week, should you take communion? If you're sorry, you take communion. It's for sinners. But if you're keeping the stash of porn in your house so you can go back to it, I wouldn't take communion. First you throw that porn away, and then you take communion. Women, let's say you committed a sexual sin uh, this week and you're sorry. Should you take communion? Yes, you should. But if you're living with your boyfriend and you have no intention of repentance, you shouldn't take communion. Communion is for sinners, but it's for repentant sinners who are sorry for their sins.
2: Those are the blessings of communion.
1: That's how to take Holy Communion. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the Pastor's Study, where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, we've only got about seven minutes left today, so can we go a little further with this communion thing? Mm -hmm. Um, Just some quick questions for you. Some churches don't use wine. They use grape juice. Yes. Is there a right or wrong?
1: Well, you know, Jesus did use wine, so I prefer wine. If, because someone might be an alcoholic, I think it's fine to have grape juice as an alternative. Uh, But I think, actually, the wine in Jesus' day was not as strong as our wine is today. So I prefer uh, to give the wine, but if for the sake of temptation, it helps to give someone uh, grape juice, it's still the fruit of the vine, so I think that's okay.
2: Okay. Red wine, is that symbolic? I was at a nursing home Oh, yeah. where they administered communion, and it was white wine. And I was kind of taken back yeah, by it. Yeah. It surprised me. It, yeah.
1: Is, I I, don't, I think it, white or red, it really doesn't matter. But you know, this is interesting.
2: The reason yeah. I was going to share with you yeah. is I asked the minister, that, and they said they had so many complaints from older people who couldn't hold the cup, and it would shake and it would Spill. stain their clothing yeah, yeah. that they went to the white wine. Uh-huh. And I thought that was interesting. Well,
1: and, and what once, you know, one Sunday I was giving communion and I, I spilled some wine on my white robe and it looked like blood. And it had never occurred to me. Red wine looks like blood. So, I mean, it's, it, there's the symbolism of Holy Communion. It's kind of wine okay. looks like
2: blood. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, I've also been in churches where you don't, you dip yeah. something into yeah. the chalice. Yeah.
1: Called intinction, where you take the the bread and you dip it into the wine. I'm not saying it's not communion. If I'm, I went to a church a month, uh, a few weeks ago where they did it, and that's the only way you could get it was by taking and dipping. And I went up and I took it. But Jesus said take and drink. He didn't say take and dip. Okay. <laughs> so I prefer being able to drink the cup. Again, I'm not saying it's not communion the other way. But why why change it? I, I would stick with what it was.
2: Okay. Some churches use bread. Mm-hmm. Some churches use the little wafers. Yeah. Is there any? I I don't
1: symbolism think that's no, or I, Well, the I, I in the pa- Passover, which is what the, Jesus turned the Passover meal when they celebrated the flight out of Egypt for the Jews. They had to leave so quick they couldn't let their bread leaven. So the Passover meal was always unleavened bread. So Jesus would have used unleavened bread. But you know, there's no clear, distinct look. You got to use unleavened bread. I think regular bread is fine.
2: Yeah. Okay. How come there are so many different understandings of communion?
1: Yeah. Uh, you get humans, you get different understandings. Uh, quickly, uh, if I can do this, yeah. Catholics believe in what's called trans, which means change, transubstantiation, that when the priest says the words, this is my body, this is the blood, they're not even bread and wine anymore. They're transformed into the very body and blood of Christ. Lutherans believe in something called con, meaning with, consubstantiation, that you still get bread and wine, but in, with, and under the bread and wine is the real presence of Christ. And then Baptists and Presbyterians believe in more of a symbolic thing, that it's not in any sense uh, the real presence of Christ, but it's just a symbolic thing. So those are three views. I would just say, everybody, slowly read 1 Corinthians 11 on your own and see if it's just symbolism or if something really present is going on with the presence of Christ.
2: Okay. We use the term excommunication Mm -hmm. when somebody is asked to leave a church. Yes. Is that because of communion? Yes, it's that it part of it.
1: I mean, excommunication means you can't take communion here anymore. And Jackie, it's hard to do. I've had to do it a few times in my ministry where someone is living in sin. I confront them. They won't repent, and they keep coming up for communion. So I finally said to the 19-year-old, look, if you're going to keep living with your boyfriend, fornicating and having sex outside of marriage, and you're not willing to repent, you shouldn't take communion. And I didn't do that because I hate her. I did it because I loved her and wanted to wake her up. Again, if you take communion without true uh, examination of yourself, Paul says you're drinking damnation to yourself.
2: So when shouldn't you take communion? You shouldn't take
1: communion if you're impenitent, you're not sorry for your sin, and you have no thought of changing. Then you shouldn't take communion.
2: (laughs) All right. How often should a church offer communion? Um, You know,
1: I like to take it a lot. Now, when I was raised, it was once a month. A lot of Lutheran churches now do it every week. Um, some Catholics, you can go to some Catholic churches, get it every day. I like having communion a lot. And I sometimes, if you remember the debate we had at our church, whether to have it every single Sunday, some people say, well, it'll get routine if you do it every Sunday. Well, we pray every Sunday in church. We sing hymns every Sunday in church. You listen to me preach every Sunday in church. You know, just because you do it a lot, that, that to me is not a good argument. I like taking communion regularly. So
2: Okay. But shouldn't everyone be invited to co- take communion?
1: You shouldn't be. I, I don't think you should take communion if you haven't been baptized. Okay. In the New Testament, first you get baptized, then you take communion. And again, if you're baptized but you're living in impenitent sin, I think you should wait until you deal with that before the
2: Lord. Well, some churches won't let you take communion, yes. though
1: there's some like the Missouri Synod Church is, is pretty strict that you don't take communion unless you're a member of the Missouri Synod same with the Wisconsin Synod the Lutheran Church so yeah different churches have different uh, if you're not Catholic you're not supposed to take communion at a Catholic Church so different churches have different rules on this and I don't get people get upset how come I can't take communion well maybe they're trying to protect you maybe you don't know what communion's all about and they're just trying to protect you so
2: Well. We want to thank you for being with us this week. We'd ask that you would pray for us. We are expanding our ministry. We are now currently on in five different states, but the cost of doing that is roughly $150,000. We're praying that God would show us his will if he wants the show to continue to play in these five states or whether we should be looking someplace else so we would covet your prayers for this ministry and at the end of the program, you're gonna see the location of our website and our mailing address. So if there's something you'd like to know more about or wanna help in any way, check those sites out. And we just pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Pastor Study. We ask Would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org and our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's word until then may the blessing of our one triune God Father Son and Holy Spirit be with you